It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this is Raven News. The Sitka Assembly is one step closer to putting a marijuana tax question out to the voters. When the group met last night, it approved an ordinance to put an 8% tax on cannabis products on the October 4th municipal election ballot. If approved by voters, the tax would replace the current sales tax, and the revenue would go toward the Sitka School District's Student Activities Fund. Initially, sponsors proposed a 10% tax on marijuana, but they reduced the amount to 8% after hearing pushback from Sitka in the cannabis industry. School staff and board members voiced support for the tax, which would provide additional funding for the district, on top of what the city allocates to schools every year. Assemblymember Crystal Duncan had questions about how the fund could better address equity and access for school activities, and Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis was concerned that the additional ordinance still wouldn't guarantee the money would truly be additional school funding. The Assembly voted 5-2 to two with Duncan and Eisenbeis opposed. It will come before the Assembly for a final reading at the June 28th meeting. We'll have more on the Assembly's marijuana tax discussion and other items on Raven News tonight at 518. The Sitka School Board is scheduled to meet in special session Wednesday night to appoint two new members to fill vacancies. Five applicants have submitted their names for the seats in a process that was extended to create a larger candidate pool after Amy Morrison's resignation in May was followed by the unexpected resignation of Andrew Hames in June. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Morrison's resignation was due to her moving from Sitka, Hames resigned in order to apply for the high school music teacher position, which he has since accepted. The five applicants for appointments are Valerie Nelson, Mitch Mork, Sarah Harris, Tristan Gavon, and Laurie Circa. Valerie Nelson is a former member of the Sitka Assembly and a former mayor. In her letter of interest, she says that she's a four-generation Sitkan familiar with many issues facing the district. She told KCAW that she only put her name forward to help fill the seat in the interim and that she was not interested in running for a term this fall. Mitch Mork is a retired facilities engineer with two children in the district's elementary schools. In his letter, Mork said he had been involved with the Alaska Native Science and Engineering Program in Anchorage. After pandemic restrictions were lifted, Mork says he spent a few days per week volunteering to teach math at Kikushihin and even fixed a nagging plumbing problem that a teacher had been dealing with for months. Sarah Harris is a Coast Guard spouse who will have two children in the district next year, one at Blatchley and another transferring from Pacific High to Sitka High. Harris says she homeschooled her children for 10 years prior to moving to Sitka. In her letter, Harris wrote that her interest in serving is one of inclusivity and compassion. Harris is currently serving on the Pacific High School Hiring Committee as a parent representative. Tristan Gavon also has prior experience in public office. Gavon served on the Sitka Assembly for one term from 2014 to 2017, where he was Assembly Liaison to the School Board, and he is the current Vice Chair of the City's Health Needs and Human Services Commission. Gavon has served in various management roles in the Sitka Tribe of Alaska and is now the Senior Director of Organizational Development. In his letter, Gavon said he felt he could do a great job of serving Sitka students, families, staff, and the community of Sitka that I love. 
Laurie Serka is a former paraprofessional in the district who has one child still in school and one graduate. In her letter, Serka wrote that public education was fraught with many challenges and that she found satisfaction in energetically confronting tough challenges and working collegially to overcome them. Although the current three members of the Sitka School Board are scheduled to appoint two of these applicants to open seats on Wednesday, they're not limited to just these names. The three board members must be unanimous on the appointments. The candidates selected will be sworn in immediately. The appointees will serve until the seats are filled by voters in the Sitka municipal election in October. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The school board will meet to interview applicants beginning at 6 p.m. Wednesday, June 15th in the district office boardroom. Voters in Sitka and other communities in House District 35 were closely aligned with the rest of the state in their choices to replace the late Don Young in Congress, but differed in their preferences in last Saturday's primary special election. The district's top pick, like many Alaskans, was former Governor Sarah Palin, with about 1,200 votes. Statewide, Palin took in 32,000 votes. House District 35 includes Sitka, Petersburg, Huna, and the communities of northern Prince of Wales Island. Number two for the district was Al Gross, who ran a strong campaign for U.S. Senate last year against the incumbent Dan Sullivan. Gross, an independent, collected just over 900 votes in Sitka. But statewide, Gross was a distant third, with less than half of Palin's total. The most revealing difference between Sitka's district and the rest of the state was the vote count for Nick Begich. Statewide, Begich was second behind Palin with 21,000 votes, but locally he dropped to fourth with only 367 votes. Begich is the grandson of Nick Begich Sr., who represented Alaska in Congress until he disappeared in a plane crash between Anchorage and Juneau in 1972. Both Begich's grandfather and his uncle, former U.S. Senator Mark Begich, are Democrats, as is his other uncle, Tom Begich, who is in the Alaska Senate. Nick Begich says he became a Republican from the first time he voted. Third place in District 35 went to Mary Paltola, with 400 votes. Statewide, Paltola took 8,000 votes to put her in fourth. A Democrat, Paltola served Bethel in the Alaska legislature for 10 years. And finally, District 35 voters gave fifth place to a Santa Claus, an actual North Pole resident who legally changed his name, with a 50-vote edge over Republican Tara Sweeney. Statewide, Claus won 4,800 votes to Sweeney's 6,000. The results of the special primary election are unofficial. As of today, the Division of Elections was only reporting the results of absentee balloting and not the early vote count. The division will count all ballots postmarked by Election Day that are received by June 21st when the final count will occur. The top four candidates in the special primary will advance to the general election on August 16th, and the winner will be decided by ranked choice voting, the first time the new method will be used in the state. The city of Sitka is coming out strongly against a proposed land sale of Alaska Mental Health Trust land to a buyer in Montana. 
The property in question is just over three acres of waterfront land at the base of the O'Connell Bridge on Japonski Island. A three-page letter from Municipal Administrator John Leach outlines the reasons why the city opposes the sale. The city accesses its work float from the northern portion of the lot, a right-of-way it obtained from the Bureau of Land Management that was recently renewed for another 30 years. If purchased, the applicant has pledged to allow the city to continue to use the right-of-way to access its work float, but Leach writes that until a legally binding means of securing access to the float is provided, the city will object to the sale. The waterfront property is priced at $156,000, less than $5 per square foot. The letter from Leach also challenges the trust land office's approach to the sale and says that the office did not work in good faith with the city to allow a fair opportunity to submit a competitive proposal. Public comment on the sale closes at 4.30 p.m. today. The state's health department is launching a new program to prevent opioid overdose deaths among industrial workers. They're getting started with Southeast Alaska Fisheries. KTOO's Claire Strempel reports. Sitka Public Health Nurse Denise Ewing is in Juneau, putting together opioid emergency kits with a group of volunteers. She shows them how to get the rubber gloves in. This is how I do my socks. That's how I do socks. Perfect. Do a sock roll. The gloves get nestled next to the overdose-reversing drug naloxone, sharps containers, fentanyl test strips, and CPR masks. That all goes in a red metal box that's destined for a fish processing plant in southeast Alaska. Gabe, our son, you know, had struggled with opioids for many years, and um, we went through that struggle with him. The initiative is called Project Gabe, named for Ewing's son, Gabe Johnson, who died of an opioid overdose this January. And when he passed, um, it was a, it was a, something that we wanted to do together. It's like, you know, this is... We've got to stop this. This is stoppable. But it's going to take a long time if I have to give a one-on-one education to every person. So Ewing decided to get her message across the seafood industry. She started in Sitka, where she knew the seafood processors from her work as a public health nurse during the pandemic. She mounted opioid emergency boxes in standardized spots at each plant. Because seafood processors kind of hop from seafood place to seafood place often. When new hires came to their start-of-the-season orientation meetings, she talked to them about opioids. She talked about the risk of fentanyl, the drug that's responsible for a record number of overdoses in the state. She said she thought it might be hard to sell plant managers on her idea because of the stigma that surrounds opioids and addiction. But they were on board. Mike Duckworth Jr. is the plant manager for Silver Bay Seafood in Sitka. He says the plant feels safer now that there's opioid emergency kits. This is my 25th year working in this industry, and I can say that I have been other plants and facilities in Alaska that, you know, this would have saved somebody's life. He says there's around 400 people working at his plant, and they haven't needed one of the kits yet. But he's glad to have them as a precaution. And that's it, I think. Back in Juneau, the group filled about 150 boxes. We're out of red boxes. Some will stay in Juneau. Others will go to places like Cordova, Tenneke Springs, Pelican, and Gustavus. The state plans to expand the program to other regions and other industries in the future. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Claire Strempel. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.